for most of us, uh, I think we realise how good we have it in Western Australia. There, you know, there wasn't, like I said, there wasn't community transmission. Um, venues were doing takeaway. We could sort of go and get our groceries. Um, there was a stage here where the bottle shops limited the amount of wine you could buy. Yeah, I think we just uh, got on with it. Dirty Linen this week is travelling around Australia, checking in with people in different cities to see how the country is going. And I am really excited to head over to Perth today, particularly because I'm now allowed to go to Perth. I think it was April 5 that the WA border closed to dirty Victorians. And now, well into December, we are finally allowed back there. Uh, so I am really happy to be chatting to Max Veenhausen. He is a food writer based in Perth. He does so much good stuff for um, various publications. And I know we're going to have a really interesting chat. So welcome, Max. It is so great to have you on my little podcast. It's a super pleasure to be on your podcast. Thanks for the invite, Danny. Really, uh, really grateful and really uh, excited to talk about Perth. Yeah, well, so I can jump on a plane and go to Perth today. Um, just letting you know that I'm from Victoria, so I wear a mask. Um, <laughs> but if I fly to Perth, uh, tell me what I could expect. Well, um, from what I understand, uh, well, I've, I've been to the airport for a long time, which um, so I probably wouldn't be able to tell you what's, what's going to happen at the airport. But once you leave the airport and you get to beautiful Perth, uh, right now there's a lot of sun. I can't see a cloud in the sky. You're probably going to see... Uh, a lot of people uh, wearing summery clothes or um, at the beach. Uh, you can see a lot of happy people and you're probably going to see, you're probably not going to see, and I don't know if this is bad of me saying this, uh, a lot of masks, you know. I think, um, you know, we, we in March during the lockdown, uh, every, you know, masks, gloves, um, they were all a thing. Everyone was was being really diligent. But I think as, as things sort of... Uh, progressed and you know we've been really lucky that we we haven't had any cases of community transmission here in Perth um you know I think people just got a little bit more comfortable um and I think May 18 was when restaurants reopened here uh they could start with like 20 people and um and there was you know contact tracing and social distancing and um you know distance between tables but we've been so lucky it's just you know it's been get moving closer to what uh, what was considered normal uh, since May 18, and and now it's kind of a, it's it's pretty good at, <laughs> out west, you know. Um, restaurants are busy, bars are busy. There's people. There's a lot of people everywhere. And sometimes I'm looking around, going, oh, you know, we're, there's probably a, a few too many people at some establishments. But um, you're, you're probably going to see a city that's uh, having a good time and feels very grateful to have dodged um, a bullet uh, in the same, unlike, unfortunately, other cities around Australia. Yeah, well, and certainly around the world. But, I mean, all power to you. I, I, um, I don't think I ever resented the time that you guys could have, but it was uh, it was almost like this talisman that, you, you know, this uh, real post-COVID landscape where people were just, um, it wasn't that people were acting like life was normal life actually did seem to be quite normal. And um, yeah, I mean, what, what a blessing. So are there any restrictions for restaurants at the moment? Uh, at the moment, there are, um, I think it's you know, one person per two square 
meters um, and where you know we've just reintroduced that the government's just uh, introduced the safe WA app so if you're going to places like uh, restaurants and, and bars they'd like you, they want you to check in them and even if, if you're going to the gym like last night I went to play my play social basketball on Monday and which I've been doing for a while which is seems really <laughs> perverse and odd and sort of uh, naughty in a way and um, as I've walked into the, the uh, rec center the person behind the counter is sort of just shouting, don't forget to check in. And, you know, so we're, we're all kind of going through, um, yeah, there's just a little bit of, um, how would you say it? We're all kind of going through and changing our uh, behavior a little bit. But um, in terms of restrictions, that's that's kind of it, you know, uh, just the uh, pe- people per, um, just the uh, people per two square the meter. Density. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think, you know, one of the things that I suppose – concerns me about the borders coming down is that every state is sort of at a different place in terms of things like collecting contacts and as people travel around it does become more important I mean do you think is it hard for people in WA to switch out of this like everything's okay uh to thinking oh okay actually no we do have to take you know a few steps to to keep ourselves safe yeah I, I don't that's a good question uh, talking to people within my immediate circle whether it's people in restaurants or um, my friends or the people I play basketball with um, everyone's kind of uh, you know I, I don't think we're all there staying like oh this is the this is um, you know this is a disaster we are we're gonna be it's it's like a big change to our lives I think it's more like um, people going oh this is just something we're gonna have to get get into the habit of doing and I feel like everyone we probably realize how lucky we've had it you know and part of that is um, is luck part of it is you know some pretty uh, stern decision making by uh, Mark McGowan um, and I think we're all kind of aware that you know, we've, we've seen how tough it is elsewhere in, in the world, just uh, not just in restaurants, but just in, in day-to-day life. And, um, and I think everyone sort of gets it that doing, you know, doing these things like checking in with this Safe WA app, it's, it really in the grand scheme of things isn't, isn't a big deal. So I think we're just happy to keep uh, doing whatever we mm. have to do just to um, keep things safe, you know. And, and I think that one thing I've sort of uh, been really sort of impressed with, you know, uh, and, you know, it, States have their own little rivalries, and I think WA and Victoria have one um, that goes back to AFL, like footy. But um, a lot of the vibe here is kind of, you know, <laughs> where it, it hasn't been like you know, we're sort of going, oh, you know, sucked in Melbourne. Everyone's kind of going, oh god, this is awful, and um, we're stoked that you know Victoria is like doing, doing the rest of the country a solid by, um, and Sydney and everyone that's kind of done something. But um, that's sort of a lockdown because you know it's. You know, we have to sort of work on this together, and I, I feel like there's been a real sort of a show of solidarity in a way. We've had venues here that have done um, bars that have done fundraisers for uh, places in Victoria. That a cafe just opened, and the barista there was saying, "Look, we we want to support local roasters, but we're also buying more Victorian beans than usual because we want to show some love to the East Coast. It's doing it hard." Um, yeah, so I think it, it's been really nice to see that. Yeah, we're, we're good people here in WA. You know. Yeah, that's so nice. I love WA. I think it's a, I think it's a great place. Um, ever since I was uh, I don't know like eighteen year old roadie. Um, story for another day. But um, got the got the is it the Garn the the train that goes all the way across? Um, 
So, okay, the Indian Pacific, the Indian, well, it, the Garn goes north, right? Okay, so it was the Indian Pacific, sat on the train for like two days. The band got to fly, but the roadies had to take the train. Um, totally underprepared. I think I ate cheese and tomato sandwiches for um, for two days. Uh, but yeah, loved it. And then, um, yeah, hung out in Fremantle for a couple of weeks, learnt about um, the great sandwiches that are made in Perth. Um, it was just yeah, love the Conti rolls. Just had one of those every day. Um, obviously, despite the cheese and tomato um, toasty situation, was not at all sick of sandwiches. And uh, yeah, um, had a Perth boyfriend. And I think a lot of, especially in the music scene, you know, a lot of um, Perth people ended up in Melbourne at least for a while. And I feel like the two cities are very, very connected, despite the footy rivalry that is um, is quite fierce. <laughs> so yeah, I, I love it great it's a great place to go um so but but having said all that you know WA does love it's sort of you know I guess a bit of a love-hate relationship with the isolation and has flirted with secession many times over the years so I mean it's so interesting that for the first time ever the borders were closed I mean was what was the vibe around that did people just think oh yeah yeah we're on the path to independence or was it just serious just was it just all, yeah, pandemic focus, and everyone could, everyone was looking forward to reopening? Uh, yeah, I, I, you know, I think the whole secession thing is something that, um, you know, that I think we sort of just, uh, you know, play at it, sort of, um, just you know, saber rattling sort of thing. I don't really think, uh, at least from where I am, that WA wants to secede. You know, it's, um, I, you know, I think some of the mainstream media this side of the country mentioned it but i think for most people um at least in my generation you it's the sort of thing you sort of like have a little snicker at and then you you turn the page or you flick or you just keep scrolling through like your social media feed or whatever it's um i think when it happened uh, and i suspect melbourne was the same everyone's it's it really is unprecedented for our generation you know and i think it's sort of i think that there was so sudden like we went from an era um that we could travel all travel relatively freely you know you'd sort of uh, you know sydney and melbourne was like one of the that sydney to melbourne flights uh, that's one of the busiest routes on the planet you know and people seemingly were just jumping on planes everywhere suddenly going all right you're all going to stay at home for a while and I think that was probably the the biggest thing, um, but I think you know we're in a world that's pretty connected, and we're sort of seeing what's happening everywhere else. And I think people just got it. That's that's the vibe I I felt here in Western Australia. There wasn't a lot of complaining. Um, I mean, there was, but there wasn't like on mass like. Uh, complaints i think we might have had one protest with people demanding borders reopen but i think for the for most of us uh i think we realize how good we have it in western australia there you know there wasn't like i said there wasn't community transmission um venues were doing takeaway we could sort of go and get our groceries um there was a stage here where the bottle shops limited the amount of wine you could buy um to three bottles uh, a day which um and then it kind of worked the other way because people would just go to a bottle shop like four times to buy a case of wine uh, rather than buying it all at once. But um, yeah, that I think that you know to be fair, like thinking about it now, that was probably the biggest one of the biggest scandals here that everyone was kind of scratching their heads, going, "Huh, this is really odd that we can't." Um, yeah, that you know, you're limited to how much you could buy, uh, and but yeah, I think we just. Uh, 
got on with it. Yeah, I mean that's a pretty lucky thing. If if that's the if that's the biggest thing you need to focus on, then it's not too bad. Like I said, we feel so yeah. We feel so lucky, you know. Great. Well, I really hope that, uh, you know, as things open up that, um, yeah, we all continue to feel lucky and and take the steps we need to keep everybody safe. Um, So this week on Dirty Linen Max, we're sort of focusing on the city centres, the CBDs around the country. Mm. And I just wondered, you know, what is the the centre of Perth like at the moment? Have people come back to offices or are people still working from home? And and what's what's the impact been on, on the restaurants that are right in the middle of the city? Yeah, there's uh, a lot more people have returned home. Uh, Sorry, returned. A lot more people have returned uh, to offices in the city, but I don't think it's... um, it hasn't been like a uh, reverse exodus. I'm trying to think what the what that word might be, but uh, they haven't uh, all returned, and there's still a lot of people working from home, and um, and not just in Perth, but I feel like uh, nationally and internationally, this uh, this pandemic's probably shown a lot of people that you know we might you know do we need to be in offices all the time? Do we need to be on planes as much to go to these meetings now that we've got yeah you know, we're all familiar with Zoom? Yeah, I don't know, but uh, right now in Perth. Um, it, it's actually super vibrant, you know, and part of that, I think, is because it's Christmas. Uh, I went to lunch at a really great restaurant called Balthazar in the CBD. It's been around for 22 years. It's been a popular place for captains of industry to talk and wheel and deal and proposals happen and, uh, and often celebrate Christmas parties there. And it was awesome. Like, the vibe was really, really great, you know, and sort of walking around, people are just out and about um, having a... You know, enjoying the sunshine. Um, there's, you know, the new Elizabeth Key or newish Elizabeth Key precinct. Whether it's Carlton is, there's people, uh, there. Um, so I think in the city, you know, at restaurants and bars, there's kind of there's just a lot of activity, you know, and um, you know, yeah, Perth CBD compared to other CBDs around the country, and I you know, and I'm I can confidently say this without like you know being labelled a traitor or anything. Like it's not as uh, as you know, uh, vibrant or um, in terms of density, in terms of people around as, say, Sydney's or Melbourne, um, like after dark, especially during the week, it can be quite, um, you know, it can kind of be a little bit quiet. But the good operators uh, are busy, you know. Um, like Balthazar, for example, they, uh, as soon as restaurants in Perth could start reopening, I think May 18 was when that happened, they, they just got rammed with um, reservations, and places that are doing something unique, singular, and, and good, they're, they're busy. You know, I went to the wine store at Lalarook and it was full of people. Um, at I tried to sneak in for a little uh, cheeky glass of wine before my lunch, but it was full, so I said I'll come back afterwards. And by the time I got back at about 2.30, uh, and this is like a little place that's sort of 20-ish people can fit into like what used to be a former chair closet. Um, it's kind of a bit like, um, I'm trying to think what the equivalent might be in... Um, in Melbourne, um, maybe like the front room of Marion, like the the first room in Marion. Yep, uh, just a sort of size. Um, but yeah, and and, and bizarrely, when I got back at three o'clock, it was even busier. You know, there'd people been people who wow, clearly clearly clocked off for the afternoon. Had the same idea as you. Yeah, well, <laughs> I was. I just came there just to you know just check on some friends and and maybe buy a bottle of wine for dinner and um, yeah, but it was and just to see some friends there. Uh, but it's. Yeah, it, it, there's there's lots happening. Um, 
the the city is and part of that is that festive cheer but i sort of feel like this year people are going to be um there's probably going to be a little bit more goodwill and merriment um in perth at least and i dare say around the world mm, yeah so um what about the fact that there aren't tourists flooding in um i mean perhaps people are going to start to come now and you know go down to margaret river or um you know go up the west coast all those great things you can do in wa but obviously no internationals coming to visit i mean do you feel like it's have people in wa sort of been able to appreciate their backyard a bit more do you think people have made a concerted effort to do that or do you think that some of the more touristy businesses are still a bit flat Oh, totally. Well, in, in terms of you know, have West Australians been embracing it? Like, absolutely. Um, I suspect you and a lot of people uh, in the industry who are reading this podcast around the middle of the year, you know, you're normally flooded with pictures of people from uh, some somewhere in Italy, in in Sardinia, or in Sicily, and there's just crystal clear water and and ridiculousness. And for me, at least this year, it was um, shots of I guess Margaret River and shots of uh, northern um, sort of destinations like. Room or sort of Exmouth, uh, Geraldton, like just places with where it's warm and there's lots of blue water. And um, yeah, so I think West Australians have really, really um, gone out and and explored the state. Like Tourism WA had a had a launch their campaign, Wander Out Yonder, and I think we've been sort of lucky compared to uh, other places around Australia. Like we haven't had those. We did for a while. We had regional boundaries. You weren't allowed to cross into um, other territories but that kind of got lifted quite early and you know people really went and explored like uh my partner jess and i we went up to the abrolis islands and went out on a cruise we felt really lucky doing that and in a way i guess we did go overseas um and but lots of yeah lots of my friends went up to Broome um and Mark River, I had a lot more people hitting me up on uh, Facebook and Instagram, like asking for dining recommendations for, for Broome and Margaret River rather than you know, cities elsewhere um, around the world. So, yeah, I think WA is really gone and, um, you know, and, and just explored our backyard. I know that sounds like a, a cliche, but um, and I think hopefully I think people realize how, how great it is. Yeah, and it's one of those great... Um, those sort of oft repeated things Australians say that you know that you need to see this country now while you're you know while you're younger and 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 fit and able bodied and um, and just really able to to see things you know I I totally think uh, a lot of at least my generation probably saw that you know um, it's not just something that quote unquote grey nomads should do it's something all of us should really do um, but in terms of you know, international to, uh, of businesses that um, that rely on tourism yeah i think um you know i think some places like Fremantle, there's uh for example there's a place called the kales fish market which is a really really great fish and chipper from a, a sharp operator it's really contemporary there's a good wine bar there there they've got four different stations and there were lots of people there and i, I went to have like a, a fried oyster roll there uh, last week and i just uh, commented to like, my friend there it's like oh it's, it's really busy here and you say well it, it, it is but it's not normally there's this place is full of tourists at the boat harbor um so you know I I don't like everyone. I'm not sure when international tourists are gonna come back, but um, you know, hopefully there'll be a lot more Australians coming here. And uh, you know, West Australians seem to be pretty good uh, 
travelers you know a lot of people i know especially in the creative and musical fields they've they're elsewhere in australia but um, a lot of people have have come back uh to perth just they want to spend summer with their families and and i'm always going to say perth is the greatest place on earth i joke around like and tell people it's god's country and you know most people normally have to wait till they die before they get to go to heaven but the rest of us get to be here most of our lives (laughs) but uh you know i love it so good i'm confident when people come to (laughs) perth like uh they're just going to see how how great it is here you know um especially in summer like the beaches here are extraordinary yet sunsets it's there's just something when you cross the nullable either at ground level or air level you just go like ah you know it's um it's it's good but yeah the tourism places that rely on tourism yeah they're probably feeling it a little a little bit but um again within my circle of friends i'm seeing people really happy to spend money locally and to buy local but i feel like this year um if there's going to be a lot lot more money spent on local quote-unquote artisans or people making interesting things you know people uh, are much more mindful of spending money and keep it within local uh, communities and economies yeah i think we've really seen how important that is and how much of a difference it can make um it's uh, like we've we've all got a stake in the in the small businesses that are around us and they really bring life to our communities um 100 so max one of the really massive topics on the east coast is staff and how hard it is for hospo venues to find staff um we had a lot of internationals that were here on temporary visas leave the country and, and i think in, even from victoria some of them have gone interstate did that did that also occur in wa or were you able to hang on to most of your working holiday visas sponsored workers um and international students yeah unfortunately that was one of the things that um that that was like probably one of the things that really affected our our industry a lot and before um i think it's fair to say there were a lot more openings in western australia probably more openings than we probably could have sustained so staff resources were probably um a little bit more stretched excuse me uh, staff resources were a little bit more stretched than they um should have been so we you know, so we were probably already in a tricky place and then to have COVID happen and remove a lot of people from the workforce. Yeah, it was it was tough, you know. Um you know, places have reopened and they've been um they've been yeah, they've been okay. Uh I think like any like everywhere there's been um there is a demand for staff, um front of house, back of house. Uh, even like um, in agricultural areas, you know, a lot of the international students um, and backpackers made up the uh, fruit picking workforce. So that's something that's happening that the government's trying to address here. And moving forward next year, you know, uh, places that want to um, pick grapes like with wineries, people that want uh, people picking grapes by hand, uh, I think that's going to be an issue going forward. Um next year if uh, unless a whole lot of uh people get let back into the country or a lot of locals feel like um like heading out to the country for a little bit which wouldn't be a bad thing i mean it's uh yeah vintage is, is a fun time you know and as, as is pruning and you know all the other stuff that happens the other 11 months of the year in uh in winemaking but yeah we we've yeah it's been um just talking to other chefs like international students have had had found it tough they've done um they've all sort of uh there've been a few side hustles uh, it doesn't seem like to the same extent that melbourne's uh had it seemed, seemed like you know chefs all over melbourne just they they somehow was 
there was a total uh, you know, fight or flight um, <laughs> response. And they really, I saw uh. some of the things that happened, like babkas, like uh, curries, there's all sorts of really mm-hmm. cool things. Um, so, yeah. yeah. Well, they had to. I mean, they, they it was it was fight or flight, and flight wasn't necessarily possible. So, it was um, done out of necessity. But as so often happens, you know, when things are done because there's no choice, they end up being pretty ace. And um, yeah, a lot of those micro businesses have continued, or I'm sure they'll sort of pop up again when chefs are between jobs or people are between jobs. But yeah, it's uh, yeah, it's pretty. Yeah, I mean. Uh, you know that I know that you know that I know that it hasn't been, we haven't treated our internationals right. And, um, yeah, a lot of businesses are really struggling to to, um, fill those positions now. Um, But, Max, I really want to chat to you um, about the food media landscape because, obviously, it's something that we can... Uh, meet on that it's a it's been it's pretty interesting space so you're freelance as am I uh how have you how have you found 2020 work-wise like did you lose a lot of work early on did you manage to keep things pretty steady how has that been for you yeah you know it's um when it hit there was like a, a lot of yeah a lot of work had sort of frozen um and yeah, it was kind of like, I think, and my partner, she's also in the food media game as well. We both kind of just took a sharp intake of breath and said, look, we're just going to have to wait and, wait and see, you know. it's uh, And one of the things that's really interesting with 2020, I feel like since, you know, late February to maybe, you know, November, we've all just been so con- so focused on getting it done, you know, like on, on just getting through we, you know, you, you know, when you're sort of in the, the middle of like the maelstrom, you sort of don't know what's going around you. And we're probably all going to look back on the year that was in crisps and, and we're going to go, holy smokes, you know, how did we do that? Uh, which I'm actually kind of looking forward to, you know, I think we, none of us sort of realize how, how much graft, how much, um, how hard collectively we've pushed as an industry to sort of uh, get through this, which I'm, you know, I'm kind of actually looking forward to, but yeah, the work situation was tricky i mean you're and again you don't need me to tell you that uh it's a precarious time to be um someone in the food media game you know uh you know kids if you're listening to this you know rethink rethink your decision your career choices um become a celebrity before becoming a, a food writer or anything but uh it's yeah it's been it's been tricky but um you know i've just been lucky i've had some um you know, Broadsheet really kept me busy through it, getting to report on, uh, considering for, you know, months restaurants were closed in Perth, there was still quite a lot to cover, you know. I think it's changed in the sense that, um, and again, you know that I know and you know blah, 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 that uh, for a while so much of the discussion was around openings, was around, um, you know, being first to the flag, all that sort of thing. And, you know, that sort of uh, journalism gets clicks. There's no doubt, in, no doubt about it. But uh, one of the things I sort of was really moved uh, this year was the amount of of additional reporting, I guess, or that the the food food discussion, at least the discussion that was sort of being led by the media and us journalists, sort of got a little bit wider. We would talk about like um, different things, and there were lots of really good feel good stories, you know. And, and I'm going to say it, and I'm sure you might edit it because it's your podcast, and you're going to be you, know, you, you might be embarrassed, but the stuff you were doing, you know, whether it was a soup kitchen or constantly like flying the flag for. Uh, giving a voice to those that didn't have voices um, was super inspiring, you know, and I sort of feel like that's 
the idea now to, to me of being a food writer isn't necessarily about, um, you know, going to a restaurant and giving it a score out of 20 and saying, you know, the steak was a tad salty or anything. That's, that's only a very, very small part of writing about food. And now I sort of feel like uh, maybe this, this year, it, as well as sort of teaching us about community, it sort of uh, maybe made it possible for the food discussion to be a little bit more diverse, a little bit more inclusive, just a little bit more far reaching in, in the things we talk about. You know, that's, um, mm. that's my great hope. That's my dear Santa uh, letter, but um, <laughs> you know. Uh, yeah. Well, I, th- I think definitely diverse stories and diverse voices that are telling those stories is, is, has been a big conversation in food media this year. And, you know, I'm sort of carrying around in my bag, the great um, new voices on food book by that Lee Tran Lam has put together with some, yeah, really fantastic um, people that, you know, uh, uh, whether they're up and coming writers or they're people that are working in the food industry you know people I think you know one thing that I'm sure we can meet on as journalists is that everybody's got a story and uh it's just about you know bringing bringing those stories to light whether that's as a journalist who's you know standing beside someone as as they share their story or whether it's a person telling the story themselves in whatever forum I think um it does us all good to hear from more people and to have um more diverse stories told. I mean that's that's the world we're in and I think one thing the pandemic has showed us is that we are so connected, you know, if if only by by germy droplets, you know, that that that's shown us, you know, that's the that's a, such a basic level like we really do share this world and we can keep one another safe and we can also make uh, you know create unsafe spaces for one another in all kinds of ways whether that's in a you know basic health situation or whether that's in feeling marginalized and I agree with you that this has been a fantastic opportunity to bring untold stories to light or to um, help people who haven't yet been heard from to to tell those stories themselves so I, I do wonder where it's going to take us because it still is, you know, financially the media landscape is is still working out how to not how to move away, I suppose, from that 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 sort of clickbait that you spoke about. You know, not that those stories aren't valid, but to move beyond that and to broaden out from that and to to be financially viable, but to do some of the the really important work that you know can be less digestible. It can take longer to produce. Um, yeah, it, 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 there are all there are all kinds of pressures, but I think you know, with people like you who are you know really thinking about what stories can be told and and how to tell them, then you know I think we're going to be in a pretty good place. Oh, that's thank you. That's very generous of you. It's uh, I, I know it, it's you know for the you know the the problems for for one of a, a better maybe less loaded word a word the the problems in the food media landscape are. You know they're you know they're not necessarily new and they've sort of been around for rel- you know in one shape or form like time time in memoriam you know um, and I think it's just sort of uh, you know it'd, it'd be really cool I think if if a lot of the media people got together and and sort of discussed it you know and I sort of feel like right now there's there's a lot more unity uh, in the food media landscape I feel like you know I think that I think you know, we're at a really um, good place maybe we can uh, solve some of these. Um, 
issues. But yeah, it's it's tough, you know. Uh, you know, you again, you know what the realities are of doing what we do for work, and sometimes, you know, those stories. And like you said, they are completely valid. Um, sometimes, you know, those opening stories uh, have to be told. But yeah, I do. I'm really encouraged by the thought that there's space for space. There's, there's space and an appetite for additional stories. Um, now I'm I'm excited to see what happens in 2021. You know, I think people can see what's about to happen, and um, I'm actually waiting for my uh, copy of uh, the new book, uh, the new yeah, new voices book. It's I've got a care package coming from uh, some kind uh, that I ordered uh, last week, so um, hopefully it gets you faster because the borders are much more open now. Yeah, for sure. And actually, while we're giving a shout out to New Voices, I'd love to also mention Counter Magazine, which I also um, just purchased and had had sent to me. And that's got a really interesting article about restaurant reviewing. Um, ah, the one Nick Jordan wrote, yeah? Yeah, Nick Jordan and uh, Colin, I've forgotten his last name, but um, they co-wrote it. It's a massive piece of work. And um, yeah, so... Yeah, I recommend that to everybody. And also, <laughs> speaking of food media, if anyone wants to sponsor this podcast, they are absolutely welcome to get in touch because it is a money-free um, operation. Um, Max, well, how it do has been... The, how do you sponsor the podcast? Oh, I don't know. Just like um, message me and I'll put you onto my producer and he can talk, he can play hardball with you. But no, I've got no idea, honestly. <laughs> um, there's, there hasn't, there's, yeah, it's, uh, I'm not doing it for money. Um, well, but you know, but you do need money to live. So it would be fine if someone wanted to, um, yeah, put some. Maybe we can send some wine, send us- some good West Australian wine over to keep you going until, um, <laughs> until you get to come over back to God's country here. But yeah, well, I'm looking forward to it. I just, I love the Indian Ocean. I just think it's so exciting that we're in a country that's got two oceans. And when you get to the other side, it's like the colours different, the sun sets in a different, well, it doesn't set in a different place, but it sets over the water in a different way. And um, it is, yeah, it's really special. I reckon it's got a, it's got a special charge and I absolutely love it. So I can't wait to get back. Um, well, I hope you get here soon. Yeah, I hope so too. I've got so much, so much to do in Victoria. I've got to, yeah, I've still got to fill up my um, esky with all, all those bushfire businesses. But anyway, there's lots of Australia to explore. We don't need to go overseas at all. Um, yeah. Yeah, Max, Word. thank you so much for coming along to have a chat. It's been a real pleasure to speak to you. And, um, yeah, I'm excited that even if we're not going to see each other in the extremely near future, at least we're allowed to if we want to. The, the hope is there. Thank you. The hope is there. But yeah, thank you. It's been a super pleasure talking. And um, yeah, gosh, stay safe. And uh, to everyone, Victorians, West Australians, everyone in Australia, let's, uh, yeah, we're, we're so lucky. Let's, um, let's make the most of it and support those around us and, and keep our community strong. Could not agree more. Thank you so much, Max. <laughs> Thanks heaps. See you soon. Bye. This is Dirty Linen and I'm Danny Vallant. We air the issues that the hospitality industry finds hard to talk about. We spend a week thrashing around each issue, hearing from different people with unique perspectives. We want to hear from you as well. If you have something that needs to be said about a topic, get in touch so we can include your perspective. Contact us at dirtylinen at deepintheweeds.com.au or hit us up on Insta at Dirty Linen Podcast. We can't wait to hear from you. This is a Deep in the Weeds production.